Hey, you busy? Mm-mm. Okay, let me run something past you real quick. I pay very close attention to when the Holy Spirit continuously brings something up. Just like I said before, when God is trying to get your attention, uh, there is a sense of multiplication, a sense of, I'm going to reiterate this. The reason why he said, Moses, Moses, Abraham, Abraham, he's calling people's names twice. You'll read a verse and it's like, bro, he said that twice in this chapter. I think that's something you need to lean in and pay attention to. So I've taken that premise and anything that is repetitive gets my attention. So lately I've been hearing echoing through different realms, either spiritually, or I'm looking at a video or I'll go listen to something. But the one statement that keeps coming back up is use what you have. Play your hand accordingly. You can win with what you have. Use what you have. And I'm like, okay, Either the Holy Spirit is trying to write a hot 16 and he just got stuck on three bars or I need to be leaning into that. And most of the time when God is trying to get my attention, he brings someone to me that I have to give a word of advice to. And then in doing so, I hear a piece of advice from me. I'm like, oh, wait a minute. <laughs> have to look up like, God, that was that was for them or that was for me? Well, okay, great. And so something kind of weird happened. Not weird, but I just, I can't put words to how some of this stuff comes about. So I felt like I was supposed to go ahead and help somebody out. I can sense when someone is overwhelmed with emotion or just frustration or whatever it is, but I can sense it. And so being the good grandbaby that I am, I felt God nudge me like, hey, you need to talk to her. I was like, okay. So I went ahead and I was obedient. And in that, the person was unveiled enough to let me know what was going on. So she revealed essentially she was having a financial issue. But it was toppled over with some emotional frustration and some other wounds that weren't healed that God allowed me to see. And I was like, whoa, this is just, it's, it's, it's not a lot, but it's layered. I think people need to realize that when they're dealing with certain situations, they're actually not dealing with the situation in an isolated state. They're actually dealing with a whole cake of emotion and everything else that comes with that. So it's not just that, oh, this particular thing happened. It's the fact that, yo, this is sprinkles to the already cake I don't want to have, that I don't want on my table, that I don't want to eat. And I'm forced to go ahead and deal with this in some type of way. And here comes yet again, another piece of garnishing, another piece of fruit to come on this. And I'm trying to get rid of the cake. And it seems like everyone is attracted to making this cake bigger than what I'm comfortable with. And so, no, it's not that your supervisor's getting on your nerves. It's that you got some personal things going on. You also don't feel good inside. So there's some health concerns that you low-key are dealing with. The job don't pay enough. The commute is too much. You're tired. You're this, that, and the third. And saying that one thing and that one email is enough for you to be like, you know what? I need the week off. When it actually is, no, we need to start attacking some of the layers of this cake so that you're not overcome 
with diabetes, <laughs> with a cavity, with the things that actually come from consuming too much of something that you are not equipped to handle, that you were never supposed to handle, and that actually, you know what, we should have cast this cake a long time ago. With the moment that you saw it was a cupcake, we should have been like, Lord, in the name of Jesus, we should have been praying on it then. But we figured, eh, I can handle it. And then it became a sheet cake. And you were like, oh, okay. Mm, okay. And, and and now it's it, it's a wedding cake. It has tears to it. You're like, okay. Yeah, so now it's start, time to start casting some of that uh, and putting it where it belongs. And so we're speaking to this young lady. When I hear issues, I don't hear sprinkles. I hear the seed. I hear the root. So essentially, again, she was in a financial bind that was then going in all these other places and she's panicking around it and this, that, and the third. And so whenever emotion has entered the chat, the only way to go ahead and subside that is logic. So I started asking some logical questions because if you try to soothe someone's emotion, it will be a friendly game of emotional whack-a-mole. You, you, okay, you handled that one, but there's some other ones coming in the chat. The only way to divert emotion is by attacking it with logic. And this is happening and that is happening. How much money are you short? Hmm? Yeah, I need you to get you out your feelings because that's a never-ending river. And I need you to start thinking. So yeah, emotion is not going to fix this. You've been there. How's it working for you? Okay, so it's not working. Cool. So let's come out of that particular river and let's come to shore and let's start going ahead and, and making a sure plan. So how much money are you short? So she gave me a number. She was like, um, about 1500. I said, okay. And what's the due date? What's the maximum time that you have to go ahead and do this and get this in? She was like, uh, two weeks. Okay. What are your streams of income? She said, well, I have that job. And so she told me the job schedule. And I was like, okay, so that job, uh-huh. And then I also work part-time at a hotel. I was like, okay. And, okay. And then I also drive Lyft. I was like, hmm, okay. And, yeah. And from Lyft, I make about, her words, two to $3,000. Okay. And then with the part-time job at the hotel, I make about $1,000, okay? And then I know from the job she has, she's bringing in at least three thirty-five hundred. So I stopped her. I said, so why are you $1,500 short? Um, I was like, because the math is not math. Now, listen, I'm nobody's calculated baby. <laughs> I Calculus, pre-algebras, all the algebra. I cannot, my math teacher will be looking at me like, you better tell the truth. And I am, you ain't got to look at me. But what I do know is one plus one always equals two. And so when you're giving me these numbers, I'm like, mm, okay, so now we got to, now I got to present you with a mirror. Why are you short $1,500? And she couldn't give me an answer. And I said, so what's the problem? And she said, well, the first job switched my schedule on the weekend, so it compacted my part-time job. And then, and I said, so you, essentially what I'm hearing is that you're not playing your hand right. If, do you have solid hours with the hotel job? Oh, no, I'm part-time. I can work any. I said, so why would you choose hours that conflict with your full-time job? 
I said, okay, so here, here here's what we're seeing. You have a job, and this is your schedule, right? And, she, and it's a non-traditional schedule, so it's not like, bro, she working nine to five, and mm-mm. She, has a, she works overnight on a certain shift. It allows her to have consecutive days off during the week, like Monday through Friday. Like, it, it's gravy. It's enough to be like, okay, so you got plenty of, of working room because I don't believe in smuggling. We're not smuggling no plan. That's toiling, and toiling was the curse of Adam. So we don't do toiling. We just do creativity. We creatively plan out of our pit so we can get to the palace quicker, okay? And so I'm listening, and I'm like, okay, so what is the hotel people telling you? She was like, oh, I, I, they just tell me what schedule to tell them. I said, so... The days that you have Wednesday through Thursday and Friday off, you just work every other Wednesday and Thursday. And then because which one is more lucrative, this or that one? She was like, oh, lift. Okay, so then we you choose to work the days that are, no, ma'am, absolutely not. And then God had me ask her the ultimate question. I said, do you have a budget? Well, I've been trying to cut back on going out. And I said, I didn't ask you that. That wasn't the question at hand. The question is, do you have a written budget somewhere that you can look on a piece of paper, on a piece of sticky note, on a piece of composition book, on a piece of somebody's paper with somebody's pen? Do you have all of your expenses and how much you bring into the home, which is called income? Do you have income listed and all your expenses deducted from it to see how much wiggle room you actually have and where your money is actually going? She was like, no. I said, why not? She's like, well, I figured if I'm not going out as much as I used to, and, and if I'm not, no, that's not, that's not helping you. I said, it sounds like there's a, uh, that you, you're, you're getting taxed because you don't know where your money is going. So what you need to do yesterday is go ahead and literally at the top, and you can start with something simple. We're going to put the number 1,000 at the top. And then you deduct all your expenses from that. And that's when you know what you can spend and what you cannot spend. But there's no way that you have three different ways to make income. And you have your short $1,500 when it comes to some, some place that you have to live, that you have to pay rent. Something is not budgeting well. You are not budgeting your money well, and it's time to be realistic. Either you need to move because that's what I started off with. I'm like, well, maybe you're paying too much. But then when she started giving me all the numbers, I'm like, time out. One of those pay your, pays your rent. Why are you behind? And so I kind of left it at that. I was like, listen, I told you what to do. You need to go home. You need to budget yesterday. You need to then not go out a single piece of, I don't, I don't want you buying a Gatorade. Until you are able to see, oh, okay, this is how much I spend on food a month. This is how much I did this, that, and the third. Like there should literally be not a single thing that you do for the next couple of months until you see it on paper. Because the objective is to not get out of this bind. The objective is never to be in this kind of bind again. Yeah, we don't plan just to get out of the pit temporarily. We plan so that we can get to the palace, period. There's no other way to live. Have a nice day. And so I was very stern about that because I don't do well with people being stuck voluntarily. Yeah, if God put placed it that I get to help somebody, you're not going to waste our time. I told you what it is. You came to me with a problem. I gave you back a plan. Go work it. Because nine times out of ten, the person that's helping you didn't have anyone to help them. They had to go search for the information. They had to go bump their heads and their shins a couple of times. And then they came back with a, oh... 
So you should be asking questions before you go ahead and sign. Yes, <laughs> that's that's how they learn. And so what you're essentially getting is free game. That's why everybody tries to go ahead and sell what they know and this, that, and the third, which is not a bad thing. But when you have the privilege to be uh, close to someone that's willing to give you some of their wisdom without you getting their scar, then you need to be like, okay, I, I'm, I'm going to take full advantage of this and not take advantage of this moment. Two different things. And so after getting off the phone with her, what kept echoing in my spirit is get creative. There should be no reason why you're in lack. It's essentially what I pulled away from. Get creative. Play your hand accordingly. There's no reason you should be in lack. So then I go ahead and I start looking at podcasts and different sermons and things. And then God was echoing that back to me. And I was like, you know what? I am starting to see the truth in my people perish from a lack of knowledge. There is a lack of knowledge, something that someone has not discovered either because they have not attempted to, they don't even know how to get to it, but whatever it is, wherever there's a lack, it's because there's a lack of knowledge. And it's as simple as seeking it, finding it, asking God to lead it to you, and being an ear to when somebody actually gives you something that is wisdom. And the reason why I bring that up is because the very next day, you know the text that I got? She literally said, and I'm going to go to it now, real time. She said, hi, thanks again for yesterday. I needed that. I just finished my budgeting list. I see my extra expenses are the six credit cards I have, and I canceled TV subscriptions. And so my thing was this. She didn't just, six credit cards? And, and, and I'm not even, mm, we're not even talking bad about grandbabies. But my thing is this, that's how silent a budget can be killed. That you can have six credit cards and have no idea why you're in lack. That you can have TV subscriptions and have no idea why you're in lack. That when we actually were having this call, you said, oh, I went to the seafood um, borrow place because I just needed a break. You don't even know that if you had the money to swipe that there. Because a lack of stewardship equates to a lack of knowledge which always reflects perishing. There is something you're not winning at because of the first two variables. And I thought about the story of the, the widow and Elisha in 2 Kings 4. And I just really want to lean into that because I feel like God is doing something in this season with people in their lives. He doesn't want people having the same issues. He doesn't want people having passed down issues from what their relatives has and what their friends have. He wants to set people apart to show that when I said I'm, I want you to live in abundance, that I'm serious about that. It's just not something cute to read in the Bible and then make a song out of and then praise God and it be good. And then when you actually look around and do a 180, 360 in your life. You don't see any of this. This is not, the Bible is not something, just a feel good book. It is actually a couple of things in here that tells you what you are heir over. You are royalty. Jesus left some stuff for you that is not left for everybody else. There's a bank account of joy, peace, financial wisdom, influence. The Bible says that if you go ahead and be wise, that God will give you favor with both man and God. Like there's some, no, that you're supposed to have health by his stripes. You are healed that you're supposed to have a peace of mind that you're not supposed to have fear. He didn't give you the power of timidity. 
but of love, power, and a sound mind. And it says in First Timothy, like there's some things in this account that it's like, yo, stop swiping your card on earth. Like what you doing? Like we're not, we're, we're not living like everybody else. It can't look like everybody else. When you walk into your homes and you drive your cars and there's supposed to be a certain level of peace. There's supposed to be a posture that sets you apart. But when you're living like everybody else, which is pretty much mindless, planless, a lack of community, a lack of, a lack of consistency and commitment, it starts to look a lot like, uh-uh, this is not the life that God had for you to live. And while it doesn't make you free of issues, it makes you free of what everybody else is experiencing. Listen, I read in the Bible that when the Israelites were in Egypt, Egypt was experiencing some things that Israel, the Israelites was like, oh, I don't know. In Egypt, it was dark. The Israelites had light. And in Egypt, the they had all kind of boils and stuff on their animals. The Israelites wasn't experiencing that. Which tells me that you can live anywhere. With God's favor, God's anointing, and God's leading. And I don't care what's going on in that area of the earth, in that area, in spectrum of where you're at. You are not privy to just subscribe to whatever it is that they're experiencing. No, y'all are experiencing a recession. I'm not interested. No, no, no. Y'all going ahead and trying to dive and swerve on different, um, whatever new variant they want to go ahead and say in the pox this and whatever it is. Uh -uh, That's what y'all are experiencing. I have a God that is leading me to my promised land. I have a God that is protecting me. I have a hedge of protection protection over me the way that Job had like it's a certain amount of things that I'm privy to and I'm sorry that you not you don't have that kind of access but like I know what's due to me I know what's due to me and if I don't see it then I need to start going back and asking some questions and going ahead and altering the plan and so again second Kings 4 you know I read from the NLT version let's just get it because I'm on that kind of level uh verse 1 One day, the widow of a member of the group of prophets came to Elisha and cried out, my husband who served you is dead. Rebuke that name of Jesus. You know how he feared the Lord, but now a creditor has come threatening to take my two sons as slaves. Rebuke that name of Jesus. Two, what can I do to help you? Elisha asked. Tell me, what do you have in the house? Nothing at all, except a flask of olive oil she replied three and elisha said borrow as many empty jars as you can from your friends and neighbors four then go into your house with your sons and shut the door behind you pour olive oil from your flask into the jar setting each one aside when it is filled five so she did as she was told her sons kept bringing jars to her and she filled one after another Six, soon every container was filled to the brim. Bring me another jar, she said to one of her sons. There aren't any more, he told her. And then the olive oil stopped flowing. Seven, when she told the man of God what had happened, he said to her, now sell the olive oil and pay your debts, and you and your sons can live on what is left over. When you have a problem... It is so easy to sit there and just wallow in the emotional part of it. This woman don't got no husband. 
she lives in a patriarchal situation where men are the makers and a blah, blah, blah. Now you're getting ready to take her two sons. Who's supposed to look over her now? You know, the Bible says, look over the widows, the orphans and the children. And it's like, bro, she, if you take her, her children away, what was she supposed to do now? And so she could have sat there and just been in this emotional rut of like, woe is me and why is this happening and how come God took him and and, and, and and all these other different things. But you know what she did? She took her problem to a prophet, a man of God, and pretty much laid it out. Um, You know, buddy who used to serve you? Yeah, he's not here no more. You know how he feared the Lord, right? Okay, but now a creditor has come threatening to take my sons as slaves. And so this is what this ultimately looks like. Uh, I'm first, my first statement to you is going to be why I even have access to you. Because a lot of people have a gimme, gimme, gimme type of mentality, but it's like, do you even have the privilege to have that access? That's why the Bible says, uh, approach me, approach the throne boldly. If you ask me anything in my son's name. So maybe sometimes when we're going to God, we're not even going with the access that we need. We just like, I need A, B, and C. Mm -mm -mm -mm. Lord, I'm boldly approaching the throne the way that you instructed to do so in your word. I accepted your son as my Lord and Savior. And that's why I'm able to have this conversation with you because I'm approaching you through the screen door of Jesus. And God, I'm bringing you my problem because I know that where you're at, there's provision. And where you're at, there is no problem. Darkness cannot be where light is at. And so God, I'm asking you. And then that's how you go ahead and do that. This woman showed us immediately. When you come to somebody, let them know why you have access to them in the first place. This, the follow-up question to that, Elisha was like, what can I do to help you? He didn't even wait for a reply. His next statement was, tell me, what do you have in the house? What do you have in the house? The Bible says that what? Your body is the temple of the Lord, right? Yeah, so God lives there, right? What did God give you? What is currently in your house, both tangibly and spiritually, that you have put a lesser value on? Because this woman said nothing at all except a flask of olive oil. Okay, of nothing at all except a flask of olive oil. Cool. Uh, and Elisha said, okay, so borrow as many empty jars as you can from your friends and your neighbors, then go into your house with your sons and shut the door behind you. Pour olive oil from your flask into the jar, setting each one aside when it is filled. So essentially, she had something, but she valued it wrong. Mm, I don't know. I just had this old Lexus. <laughs> I'm sorry. And there's no mouths on it. Wait a minute. You, you, you're using what you have wrong. You are not playing your hand accordingly. What do you have in your hand? Mm -hmm, just a big joker and a little joker. Uh, okay. Uh, that, that, that's not nothing. <laughs> you, I want you to count them books because those are guarantees. We just got to do a little bit more to it. I see. Okay. I see what you're saying. You don't have any more space, but those suit, but those suit. And that's cool. But let's go ahead and do something different. She didn't see a plan. Because what she had and how she viewed it was small. So instead of Elisha saying, oh, cool, um, go sell the oil that you have. He was like, no, you're right. That's not enough to cover. 
uh, what's going on. Because it got to be a bigger number if they're talking about going ahead and taking your son. So here's what we're going to do. I want you to borrow as many empty jars as you can from your friend's and your neighbors pause. You know what that shows me too? That the people closest to her and the people that was closest to her heart were also in the same predicament. Because if y'all have empty jars also, then y'all too are experiencing lack. And most of the time you can't get out of your pits because you have friends who also are in pits and some of them even decorated it. And you have palace-like dreams and you have provisions and dreams and things that you want to do and all these other different things. But why... How can you keep that dream afloat when everybody else around you is sinking and it all looks the same? Your neighbors and your friends, nobody got something that, that y'all could put together and be like, okay, we can come. No, because everybody else is experiencing the same thing that you had, except they got more empty jars. The difference appears to be that uh, I don't even know if this woman had empty jars in her house. But the fact that the best that somebody else can give you was just their empty vessel. Yes, sometimes we need to actually look at that. I need to get around people who are filled in the places that I desire to be filled in. I need to get around a different set of people. I need to get around a different set of mindsets. I need to get around. And, and it's, it's kind of threatening to your future. If everyone else around you is okay with staying in the boat while you have walk on water dreams. Yeah, it's so, it, I, I, I wish that that would have read differently, but it popped out to me and I was like, man, borrow as many empty jars as you can from your friends and family. So everybody's experiencing what you're experiencing. And that's probably why you feel the way that you do. And it's amazing to me. And I'm thankful that this chapter didn't read that she went to her friend and was like, Oh my gosh, this was happening. And then they was like, mm -hmm. you know, they did that to Margaret's boys. And yeah. That's what happened when, mm -hmm. and Ethel too. And like that wouldn't have helped nothing. So I'm thankful that she at least knew I can't get a plan from people who are already experiencing poverty. Yeah, maybe not poverty financially, but I can't go to somebody else relationally when they're having emotional poverty, when they have relational poverty as well. I can't go to someone nervous about what the doctor said if they too have an ailment of poverty. Like you have a medical poverty too. Like poverty is just not financial. It is a lack that has not yet been defeated. And so instead of conquering that, people live in that. Yeah, you under the poverty line in certain areas and you don't have to be. But that's another conversation for another day. So she brings Elisha a problem. Elisha in turn identifies what's in her hand, what's in her house, what's in her being. What do you have that we can creatively multiply? www.multiplycreatedtomultiply.com. What do you have that we can multiply? What do you have that we can get creative in how we actually make this a win? How do we change this L to luxurious? <laughs> you see what I'm like, how do we do? So let me go ahead. Let, let me try to help you see your situation differently. And what I love is even though she was in lack, she at least was a good steward over what she had because this could have read, I don't have anything. And then it was a period, but it says nothing at all, comma, except the flask of olive oil. I'm so glad that you at least knew that. 
I'm so glad that you at least knew that. So he tells her what? Okay, go ahead and borrow as many jars as you can. Cool. Step one. Step two. Then go into the house with your sons and shut the door behind you. Step three. Pour olive oil from your flask into the jar, setting each one aside when it's filled. But then we forget step four. Once it was actually done and she did those three steps, what did she do? She went back to him. Hmm? Seven, when she told the man of God what had happened, he said to her, step five, now sell the olive oil and pay your debts. Step six, and you and your sons can live on what is left over. Part of the problem is you get half of the plan from God and you never come up back to him for the next steps. Because I'm sure she could have sold all that olive oil and been like, cool, I'm going to get this. I'm going to give all of this to the debt. I'm going to give all of this to the creditors. But then guess what? She would have been in the same situation. Because <laughs> let's just say it was 10 jars and her debt was 10 jars worth. Now you in lack again. That wasn't help. That was a Band-Aid. <laughs> like what? We didn't need a Band-Aid. We needed something that was going to change the trajectory of this situation permanently. No, when God was, Jesus was healing people from the blind, they wasn't able to see for 24 hours. They were able to see again. When the women with the issue of blood touched Jesus, the hem of his garment, she didn't stop bleeding for a couple of seconds while she was around him. The issue was done permanently. So if the plan doesn't equate to the issue being done permanently and bringing on a new birthing on a new foundation of life and how to live, then that, that wasn't the plan. So, okay, cool. I got 10 jars. I'm glad that she was smart enough to say, okay, so did what you said. Now what? And he was like, cool. Now sell the olive oil, pay your debts. Uh-huh. And now you and your son can live on what's left over. Bet. And guess what? That's where the story ends. This man literally changed her entire bloodline, her entire life, the trajectory of what could have happened to her and her sons because he gave her a plan that she A, carried out, B, went back up for the update, and C, was consistent and obedient through the whole entire thing. No, I didn't say have Margaret help you while you and your sons. That's not what he said. He said, you and your sons, you close the door. Yeah, not you leave it open and you let everybody see how God works. Like so many times you're getting frustrated about a plan that you were not following to the T. Noah, he said, go for wood, sir. Why do we have maple here? What is this oak tree doing over here? Like, what are you doing? And so you cannot get upset about a plan that you are not following according to plan. He didn't say to do that. No, he did not tell you, buddy, was your husband. He said, help him in this area and then leave him alone. That's your bad that you got attracted midway through, through the obedience. Anybody told you to do that? No, he said to go in there and serve such and such in this particular setting. And when you are done serving, leave. But you got attracted to the growth of it and you just wanted to be a part of a good cause. He did not tell you to do that. 
What you should do is, God, I followed out what you said to do, and now I'm coming back to you for the update to make sure that I'm still in obedience. Because I understand that I serve a God that once he gives me a plan, I'm supposed to see something way different. I'm supposed to see something that's like, yo, I could not have done this in and of myself. And so I know how much oil we had. If I close the door on my sons and we, and I'm pouring oil and it's just like, bro, it was, this is one fourth of oil, sir. (laughs) One fourth of oil. I know how much this will pour into. And so my thing is this, if we know that, okay, this is a God thing, then we cannot afford to stop short. We can't afford to stop short in an area that we're like, okay, God, I, I don't, just like the man who, who Jesus made the mud pile on. And he was like, yo, what do you see? He said, I see men like trees. We can't afford to stop short there. And just like, whoo, well, praise God, we can see something. No, no, that, that's not it. God wants you to be free from whatever's trying to imprison you. So no, feeling better is great. Praise be on the God. But being completely healed is what we gunning for. Okay, you paid your debt and your bills this month, praise God. But being debt free is what we gunning for. Okay, you know what? You you got healed from that emotional trauma. But to be in fruitful relationships long term is what we're gunning for. We're not stopping short of, oh, it was more oil than what it was before. We're like, yo, and how do we how do we flip this oil, sir? How do we go ahead and make it that even after we go ahead and pay this debt that we not in lack because we missing a family member? You understand? There's a certain posture in that. God is trying to do something through you and to you. But like the woman, this widow woman here, there is a plan that you have to work to the T. Abram. God said to take you and your wife and go to a land that he's going to tell you. Not you, your wife and Lot. That's why you and Lot got into the situation. No, Abraham, he said that he was going to give you and your wife a kid a year later. He didn't say to sleep with Hagar. Now you done had Ishmael and the Ishmaelites and the the Islam nation and all that. And now we in continue riffraff. It's like all of that was created because you did not listen to the plan and follow it to the T. God is not going to override your free will. He is not going to, ah, they didn't mean, no, I said to do it this way because I'm telling you this particular way because I know what I have for you for I know the plans that I have for you. Jeremiah 29, 11, read it. Adam and Eve do not eat from this particular tree, ma'am, sir. And it's like when we don't get God results, the first thing we do is look around like, I don't know what happened. What you mean you don't know what happened? You didn't follow the plan. It's real easy. And you know what the sick part is to be a honey? The plan that he gives us, it's not difficult. It just requires for us to do something consistent and follow through with it. When Nehemiah went to go see the prophet and he had that skin disease, but he was like, oh, go over there and wash yourself. Nehemiah got a, had a whole temper tantrum. Oh, I'm, this is ridiculous. I came all this way and blah, blah, blah. Read your Bible. That's between you and the Lord. And it was like, bro, just do what he said. If it, it, the, the person had to tell him, if he asked you to do something more difficult, you would have done it. Just do it. Like, I don't understand. The, the man at the pool. Bro, do you want to be healed? You've been here for 38 years. Like, what's up? All right, so pick up your mat and walk. I have never seen 
God asked someone, Jesus asked someone to do something that was like, whoa, come on. You're going to have the woman with the issue of blood do at least 50 push-ups first? That's, you know, she's super weak, bro. She's going to need an a iron IV. An iron pill ain't going to be enough, sir. Come on, Elisha. The woman with the, the, that's a widow and she got some issues with some financial debt and they're going to take us. You're going to tell her to go back to school? Dang, but she ain't got the time, sir. If she don't got the finances for the day, what you think? Oh, my gosh. You're going to tell her to go ahead and write a book, and then whatever she get from that, just you need to launch your business. What you need to do is be an entrepreneur. Like, he's not giving you anything that is not going to literally change the trajectory of your life, and it's also within your realm to do so. It's within your ability to do so. He's never going to ask you to do something that he did not equip for you to do. Give up your life, follow me. He's only asking you to do something because he already equipped you to do it. The Bible literally says that he equips you to do all the things that is going to make you go ahead and be obedient. Paraphrase. And so when I look at this, I'm like, it saddens me. That so many of us are living in a different state than what God had intended for us to live because we literally are a bringing the problem to the wrong person. You're supposed to, and that should be a word right there. Who are you bringing your problem to? I'm not even going to overly spiritualize it. It don't always got to be, you know, I'm going straight to the throne. Maybe that's not your thing, but you need to be discerning and praying on God. Who do I bring this to that will be able to give me a God word in real time? Who are you bringing your problem to? And a good person doesn't solve your problem. They give you a plan. Praise God that her family and friends didn't have it. You know, low key it worked in her favor. Because if all they was able to do is help you pay this particular debt, then how y'all supposed to eat for the remainder? Like, what's up? Like, how y'all supposed to make ends meet from month to month? So, yeah, when you go to somebody and you're like, I'm 1500 behind, the answer is not them writing a check. The answer is them for go ahead and give you some wisdom that will never have you 1500 behind on rent again. That when I give you this plan, you will never have debt again. Pay off your debt, you and your sons live off the rest. And then when you get the plan, work the plan to the letter. Don't you add nothing. Don't put no extra tail on that dog. Do what you were supposed to do. And then go ahead and, okay, so I did that part, Lord. Now what? Because nine times out of ten, you stopped short. And then wonder why you didn't get the result. You quit the job too quick. You stopped talking to the friend too early. You stopped talking. You kept the friend around too long. You stayed in that relationship too long. No, no. You need proper God timing. Did that. Now what? How do you know when it's ready to get the next steps? Because you did everything that you were told to do with the steps before. But he said, fill all of the jars with olive oil. When it's filled, put it to the side. When it's filled, put it to the side. She was like, cool, this is what I'm doing. Cool, this is what I'm doing. Hey, bring me another jar. There's no more. Okay, so I did that part. Now what, sir? Okay, you did that part? Yep, filled everyone to the brim. What's up? Okay, cool. Now take all that, sell it, 
pay off the debt with the first part, then go ahead and live off the rest. Got it. And now you not only are problem free, you're not only debt free, now you have provisions so that you can live comfortably. That's how God rocks. So when you do what he said to do and you get a clear plan and you completed your portion of the plan, God said to finish school, finish school. Don't cry to him in the meantime. Don't say finish school. God told you to launch the business, launch the business. God told you to go ahead and court such and such, court the such and such. And then when you finish that part, you go to God and say, what's next? I did what you told me to do. What is next? And I almost guarantee, and even speaking to myself, that to turn around and the come up, out, chef's kiss. What is my challenge to you? To read over this and literally get your instruction. I want you to literally read 2 Kings 4. And I don't tell you to do a lot of reading, so I hope folks... Hooked on phonics worked for you. So 2 Kings chapter 4, verses 1 through 7. It's a quick read. And I want you to see what this woman did and mimic it. Don't get emotional in, in your issue. Bring it to God or to someone that you God you feel like God is going ahead and pointing you in that direction. Get the plan. Work the plan to its completion. Get an updated part on what you're supposed to do with the rest of it. And then once you go ahead and get the rest of it, thank God for a changed life. And then never get back in that situation again. Okay. Yeah, we not, you better not rack up another piece of debt. Have a nice day. Because debt is threatening to your future. Your peace and your abundance. And you now, if you that don't convince you, I don't know what else to tell you. But I'm going to go ahead and tell you this. I feel like you got what you needed. Mm-hmm. Sure do. Uh, you know what these conversations are, right? Right. They are life-provoking conversations, conversations that not the average person is going to have with you, but who your favorite homegirl. Get creative in multiplying. Ooh, sounds like a website, I know. www.created2 the number two, multiply.com for all the things and all the ways that I'm going to go ahead and create on this earth and I want you to be a part of, period. That's just how it works, okay? But um, you have a website to get to. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to go ahead and let you let me go, okay? We talk later? Mm-hmm. Later. <laughs>